Yo, it's Aslan, everybody. Again, here to ask one favor quickly. If you listen to us on an Apple or iOS device and you use the podcast app, search for Wake Up War Chant on the podcast app. You'll see two results. Download the one on the right. Uh, that's the one that's got more ratings and reviews. If you tap on it, they both look identical, but the one on the right actually has more ratings and reviews. Please subscribe, download off of that one. If you can't, if it's giving you problems for some reason, don't even worry about it. Don't sweat it. It's fine. We're not trying to make anybody's life difficult. It should be pretty easy. Tap on that, subscribe. But if you could do that, that would be great. Pick the one on the right. That's the one that's got more ratings and reviews. We certainly would appreciate it. Let's get to the show. From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Do you want to talk? 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 Both my eyes are glazed. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show... Practice observations, a little bit of a recruiting retrospective, all here on Wake Up War Chant, which is, as always, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, over at the Appalachian Parkway they're off of. Gorgeous little building. Two stories. They're at the top floor. Do they still have Seventh Hill Tap Room Core? Is that still going on? Yeah, yeah, that's still there. All yep. right. That's them, too. You can hang out with them, but Corey Clark usually hanging out at the corner pocket. He will be Friday, 530 to 6.30 with Jeff Cameron for the happy hour and then the pregame show going on over at Hotel Indigo, noon 30. Uh, come join Jeff and Tom. They'll be doing the pregame show. Sometimes Corey jumps on. Maybe Corey, maybe Ira will jump on this time. Right, right. Uh, maybe I'll jump on this time. Who knows? But uh, it'll be fun. And then the watch along with Dominic Robinson, myself, Tom Lang, and then Gene Williams and Tom Lang taking you into a postgame show, which is always fun, especially when Florida State wins. Uh, feels like the game's going to get played as we record this late on Tuesday for your Wednesday morning enjoyment. Um, unfor- you know, fortunately for the Lang family, the Hudgevandy family, Tampa looks like it's going to mostly get spared from the like, catastrophic damage that seemed like possible uh, on Sunday and Monday. Uh, but, you know, our guy Naples, Mark, a pillar, yeah. he might be uh, kind of in some dicey stuff. So all of our friends out there in southwest uh, Florida pulling for you, hopefully this thing I don't know, man, dissipates enough or does something wonky that uh, isn't nearly as treacherous as it possibly could be. But football-wise, I prefer Florida State not to be cold and callous because, you know, a whole bunch of people, we're probably going to have millions of people in the state that will be without power. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we sit here and record this, you know, I don't know if you have any issues with Dave Dorn said on Tuesday evening, Corey, about the game being played. Clawson. Clawson. When I say Dorn, sorry. I'm so sorry, Coach Clawson. I like you more than Dorn. You, you got, like um, – you seem more endearing to me than Dorn. Dorn just seems very, oh no, nah. Yeah, I, I agree. He's aloof. Term. He seems aloof to me. Yeah, yeah. And well. he doesn't have the right to be yet. Mm, hey, yeah. he's got a team in the top ten though, so kudos. But and game uh, day apparently, game day's yeah. going to yeah. watch yeah. them play Clemson. Yeah. So crazy. But uh, let's see here. The quote was: This was from Dave Clawson, head football coach of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, on Tuesday afternoon. You certainly hope that the ACC office makes the right decision. If they don't, we will. We're not going to travel down there and put anybody at risk. And then there was ellipses, so I guess he probably said some other stuff. If we feel there's any danger to our players going down there, we're not going to go. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not bothered by that. I mean, but I don't know what he's talking about. You know, like, is he afraid that the plane might be a dangerous plane ride? I, I understand that, I guess. Or I don't know if he's talking about the field conditions. I mean, the field hopefully should drain well. Maybe we won't get as much... I don't know if you're talking about our players being in danger in terms of their their safety playing on a wet field, on a wet track, but uh, as of, again, as we record this right now, projections don't look like Tallahassee will get drenched uh, and the storm should be out by 3.30 on Saturday. So I don't know, but that quote, you know, not to parse something out of a 20-minute press conference, but that's that's the big headline out of it, Corey. What do you, uh, how do you interpret that? Is that uh, he being a little too cautious, or is that the way a guy's got to talk about his football team? No, it was it, it was a little odd that he seemed like almost taking umbrage with, with Florida State and the ACC wanting to play the game, but then he came back and said, yeah, I want to play the game too. Yeah. Um, we want to play the game. Uh, it, I, I, it, you just want to be like, yeah, man, no, duh. Of course, if your if your players are in danger, they're not. There's no. They're not going to be at risk. If there's any risk at all, they won't play the game. And I think he, you know, the 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 only dumb thing he said, I thought, um, was, you know, we don't want to be down there without electricity or without food. And it's like, what, what, 
where do you think you're going that there won't be food brought to you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Corner Pocket will bring you food, man. You know what I mean? They got great wings. Your, bo- your boys can go in there. Yeah. Um, it, it, that was just odd that he was, you know, he he was he brought up electricity and food. Like, what if we get down there and there's no electricity or there's no food? It's like, what? What? what where do you, again, where do you think you're going? It, it, that's a, That was an odd statement. But the overarching sentiment, we all agree with. Like, yeah, if there's any danger, if there's any risk at all, and his players arriving there, if they have to fly through a hurricane, which, uh, you know, don't do that. Avert it if you can. Fly around it, you would hope. Um, they're not driving in it. And then also, um, you know, if, if there's going to be, if it, if Tallahassee somehow gets hit by this thing, or if it just floods, if somehow this thing shifts and the rain is terrible and it floods, yeah, they won't, um, they won't play the game. But right now, the way the map looks, and he also said this Tuesday afternoon. Like, maybe he hadn't gotten the latest update. Maybe he wasn't updated. Maybe he thought there was a better chance that it was going to hit Tallahassee um, or be closer to Tallahassee than it will probably end maybe, up being. Maybe it doesn't have a good grasp of Florida's geography. We are a weird state, so you hear about this killer hurricane coming in the state, and you feel the capital is probably in the heart of the state, but we're not. We're all the way up here right, in this. Uh, right there in that panhandle, baby. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I don't know. That's uh, it, it was it, it was it was a little bit odd, but no. I, overall, I didn't really have any issues with it because the, the again, like I said, the sentiment is fine. He he wants his players to be safe. We all want everybody to be safe, and they wouldn't play a game in um, awful conditions, and they wouldn't risk anybody's life coming to this game to to play a football game. We, we got it, um, but. It does look like, and, and uh, Michael Lawford had a statement out Tuesday after. I guess it was after. Yes, yeah, around six uh, in the evening. This, Clawson. this his, yeah, Clawson's press conference was about three in the afternoon. I think this uh, from Alford came out at six. Yeah, and basically said, "You look, we're still monitoring it, but obviously we're play- we're as of now we're planning to play. If nothing changes, we're planning to play. We're confident um, we'll be able to safely host the football yes. game as well. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, they're not going to tell Wake Forest to come down. Oh, sorry, there's no electricity and. I hope y'all brought snacks because we don't have any in the city for you. City shut down. No food in the city. Um, it's like the purge out there. If you want food, go out there and just see if you can scrounge up some, but try not to get killed. It's a madhouse. I mean, come on, man. That that was, to me, a little bit bizarre. Um, but other than that, yeah, like I said, I when I first saw it, I'm like, what in the world? What What is he doing? But then when I read the context of the quotes and the full quotes, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. He also said multiple times he wants to play, and he trusts that the ACC and Florida State will make the right decision, and they'll do whatever. They'll put on a safe event, and he just happened to add, if they want us to play and we don't feel safe, we're not going, which I guess could technically be a forfeit, right? Yeah, right? I think, but I don't know if they could probably appeal it. Maybe there's something in the bylaws that screw that five and zero. Oh. Yeah, five and zero, oh, baby, and you get you on get your NC guys State. healthier on yep. NC State. On NC, yep, we're on NC State. That's right. Uh, ultimately, we do have some say in this. Clausen said we want to play, absolutely want to play, but only if it's safe and appropriate. Uh, and then he also said, um, you know, we learned during the pandemic you can't let up if you know. We want to know as soon as we can, but. Uh, we control a little bit of it, but we don't control the weather. So Flores says it's safe to play, and the ACC says it's safe to play, and we feel it's safe to play. We've got a football game in five days, four days now. So let's get after it, Dave. Bring your boys. Let's dance. Number 23, Florida State hosting number 22, Clemson. Sounds cool. We're ranked. They're ranked. All these little firsts. You know, it was like we had our ACC opener against Louisville. Then last week was our ACC home opener. Now we got our first-ranked opponent of the season playing us. Um, here we are, Corey, thriving. What a fun time to cover the program. It is, man. It is. It's uh, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, this is a really big game. Uh, the, I, w- one thing that kind of bums me out a little, and, and it's certainly it pales in comparison to, like, people's lives being affected and, and power being lost. And I hope everybody that's in the path of this thing, please take precautions. Um, and also... I don't know what the state is going to be like on Friday if you're trying to drive up to this game. Um, and yeah. that's, that's a concern of mine, uh, not, mainly because I, don't, I want everybody to be safe that's coming up for the game. And I don't want you driving through a tropical storm or a hurricane. But also, it's kind of a bummer that it might not be the crowd that it was going to be. Yeah, the home field advantage might not be nearly as 
home field advantage. That's my yeah. buddy texted me on Tuesday. He's like, "What's going on with this game?" I'm like, "Hey, man, like they're practicing right now, and um, you know the track looks all right." He's like, "I know." He's like, "I'm, he's like, I'm so worried about having an empty student section." You know, that's what he's concerned about. And that a little bit to your point there, fans turnout, things like that. Well, and like I asked you and Ira on at practice on Tuesday, I I still don't quite grasp or understand why you would cancel classes um, because many of these students live in the central part of the state. In fact, you would you would obviously just by how geography works, most of the in-state kids that go to Florida State, their homes are south of Tallahassee, um, and you're asking them, I guess, to leave the safe area, which for now we appear is Tallahassee, to drive back into the unsafe area. It, it really they, like they did it like on Monday. I mean, so they weren't going to hit any. The, the rain's no, I know that. Today. But why would you like what of all the kids that you just sent home that live in Naples and Fort Myers and Tampa and Sarasota, which well, is a big, nice them, chunk. Well, you didn't send them home. You just cancel class. So if they want to go home and help their family, they can. If they want to hunker down their dorm or their apartment. But uh, ostensibly, you, you canceled classes so they could go home. Right. right. Yeah. If they want. Yeah. There's a you got 30, 40,000 students. There's going to be at least 5,000 that probably want to go home and be with their parents. So, um, yeah, you have to be like, all right, well, that's you know, we're going to be well, I'm against that. <laughs> I'm against sending kids back home to their parents who are going to experience a hurricane. I want my kids to stay away from me if I'm going to experience a hurricane. I think that's, there's like a that's fair. That's fair. It seems like a bizarre. It's the parents that should be coming up to Tallahassee. You should be having another parents weekend. Yeah, um, I think I'm. You know, my parents are older. They always were older, and obviously I'm. But I'm, you know, when I was 19 years old, I probably would have felt a lot better. Like my parents will be fine. Like now, I was very concerned about my mother on Tuesday morning. I call her. I'm like, I think you should come up to Tallahassee. And yeah, now like, I'll be fine. But yeah, if you're a 20 year old college student, your mom and dad are probably 45, 47. They can, they can handle it themselves. Yeah. But yeah, also, yeah. I just, I, I it, it, if if Tallahassee was in the in the path of it, clearly, mm. get like South Florida. Perfect sense. Leave. Right. Yeah. Cancel classes. Tallahassee is in a really safe area. It just seems odd to send so many kids back down 75 or 95 to go, I guess, be without power for a few hours, a few days or, or, you know, make sure their parents are OK. But their parents are probably are in their 40s and 50s. They should be all right. Anyway, this, that's not what you tune into this right. show for. The health. But it, the health of his team is more of a concern than a stadium packed. Right, Corey? Well, yeah. But again, I, I, I just. Because, you know, I was thinking about it. I, I brought it up on headlines. Um, Wake Forest. Uh, imagine if Wake Forest, if this game was, if, if everybody shows up, if the students stayed, which I hope they all did. Literally, I hope they all did. There was no reason for you guys to go anywhere. Um, I hope they all stayed, and I hope it's going to be a PAX student section, and I hope anybody from in-state can come. And if they can't, get your tickets on the market so other Florida State fans that are safe and, can, and within driving distance can can take your tickets. Um, Shanna's doing that, you know, the marketplace exchange thing they have. Um, but uh, She's in Atlanta. So, Why can't she come down to the game? Well, see, she that's kind of going to be bad weather in Georgia on Friday. You know, it'll, it'll be past. Florida, a lot of Florida State fans in Atlanta, Corey. Yeah, yeah. About that I know. Too. I know. Uh, I guess you got to drive to Alabama and head south. That's what I'm <laughs> that's what I might have to do. But um, but what I, the point was, Wake Forest is not used to playing in road environments like this has the potential to be because nobody gives a flip when Wake Forest comes to town. I love you, Demon Deacons. You've had a better program than Florida State the last few years. Clawson is a good coach. Hartman's awesome. Nobody cares when they come to town, man. Nobody ever in the history of the program. There aren't big games with Wake Forest comes to town, but this one is a huge game for Florida State fans. So they would experience the full, uh, I don't know, the, the, the full firepower of Dope Campbell Stadium like a rabid, revved-up Dope Campbell Stadium, which is something they've never experienced before. It, it's like our man at Miami said, Van Dyke, it's a real college atmosphere, yeah. which kids at Wake Forest don't get to experience a lot. They go to Clemson, and Clemson has a great fan base, and they sell out those games, but they know they're going to be Wake typically when Wake shows up. They're going to beat them by 30 or 40 points. Florida State fans are really invested in this team, and that would be, I think, at least early on, it could be a bit of a shock to a Wake Forest team to be like, wow, what? why are these people so angry? Why are these people so emotional and passionate right now? Why are they yelling at us? Like, that's just, and be, keep it clean, everyone. Be nice. Be cordial. But Wake doesn't, Wake's not used to that. And I think, can you imagine what those Boston College kids thought when they ran, when they ran out of the tunnel before the game? I wasn't like, there, Corey, remember? Well, I know, but you, were, you saw the stadium. On um, television. 
Right. But that uh, you gotta you gotta a, spell it out. I'm trying to say, Corey, you gotta spell it. You gotta use your paintbrush to talk okay. about the stadium on Saturday. So it was it was absolutely full and really loud. And those Boston College players must have been like, "What in the world is going on? Why are all these people here? We're Boston College. Nobody ever shows up for our games. Like when we're on the road, the nobody ever cares. Yeah, the these Rutgers. people are into the game." They're treating this like this is a huge game. Boston College isn't used to that, and that was evident. They, they, they melt, they're not any good anyway, but they absolutely melted down in the moment. And I just think a home, a home, uh, a really home field advantage against a team that's never used to playing in big games on the road where the crowd really cares could steal you a touchdown, maybe could steal you a few points here or there. So I, I and I just hope it still turns out that way. My only hope, really, my best hope for this. I don't know what the weather, we have no idea what the weather will be in Tallahassee on Saturday. If there's a chance by 7.30 or 8 o'clock it's clear skies and it's fine, I would love for them to move this to a night game. It gives, because by that time, there's a chance the hurricane is tracked out of the state and starting at Saturday at like, I don't know, 10 a.m., the roads would be perfectly fine to travel on. There'd be no risk. And if you can get up to Tallahassee for the game, get up to Tallahassee for the game. And I know, look, man, I, I, I understand. I'm not trying to be callous. I know there's so much more important stuff than football. But, you know, Florida State fans have been waiting a long time to cheer for a team like this, to go to a game like this. And, uh, you know, you only get 12 of these a year. You only get seven of them at home or six. I can't remember how many, six or seven games at home this year. Um, you know, it's a bummer for season ticket holders that have been looking forward to this because you, you definitely want, don't want to travel if it's, a, if it's awful weather. Please don't do that. So maybe they can make an adjustment to the schedule just so maybe it doesn't start. If it if the three thirty kick is going to be smack dab in the middle of a torrential downpour, which again I think we're going to miss most of the weather, but you never know. Then I would I would hope they could adjust it a little. Maybe make it eight o'clock, especially because we have no idea what NC State Clemson's going to do. Because they're they're going to be feeling the they're the ones that are supposedly going to be feeling the brunt of it on Saturday is the Carolinas. Yeah, so why did yeah, I mean I don't want to I don't want to talk about weather more than we have to, but then why did the Florida game get moved to Sunday? I mean, I think they're supposed to be really it's supposed to be really uh, wet. Really, really wet. Uh -huh. But I would I would I would hope, I think. I guess they just don't know if it's gonna stall right in that in the Gulf before it hits. And then that would be a deluge in Gainesville. And I think maybe they just don't want people driving up Friday to Gainesville. Mm. They'd rather them drive up to Gainesville Saturday. You know, I would think. Elena, back in 85, was tracking for St. Pete and then it stalled out on the coast and just, like, sat there and just dumped rain on, like, the Tampa Bay area for hour upon hour upon hour. Um, but it was good, though, because it weekend before it finally made landfall. But that's your history lesson uh, for the There you the go. Day. Well done, Aslan. Well done. But everybody be safe. That's, that's clearly the most important thing. Be safe. Um, and it does look like... Uh, the game will be played. I would be I would be very surprised at this point if it gets moved or, or postponed. Game that won't be played was on our winners list for mybookie.ag. Use that promo code WARCHANT. I gave you guys three games. Say we're going to ride our Jags of South Alabama a little bit longer. 4-0 against the spread right now. I was going to go the over on the SMU-Auburn, not Auburn, SMU-UCF game. Uh, but they're not playing the game, so I got to find another one uh, to to go for. And I don't know if Corey's got any games he wants me to look at, but you can check out all the games going on across the country, across the world, all everything: esports, hockey, rugby, table tennis, handball, biathlon. Seriously, it's all over at my bookie. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. It's so easy. Just visit mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WARCHANT on your first deposit to secure that double deposit bonus. That's right. Your first deposit will be matched dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand dollars so can't Ooh. lose uh when you got that kind of money you're playing with house money quite literally at that point so check it on out uh right now florida state still seven point favorite the over under is ticked down slightly it was 66 now it's 65 so there's seven now, so they keep going up. Seven points right now. Let's see what's going on with the Clemson game real quick over my bookie. Six and a half point favorite Clemson over NC State at home. Forty Ooh. and a half the over under, so they're definitely anticipating some soggy weather, probably the bookies. Yes, over absolutely. I, it, it'll be really interesting what they do with that game because, uh, you know, we, we'll see. But what if that game, what if Saturday is just going to be awful? Mm. Like for the whole state. And we've seen Clemson do it before. They, they played Notre Dame that year. Break your guts, um, man. 
yeah, when it was basically a, a tropical storm they played in. Um, and NC State, I think, played Notre Dame one year, basically in a hurricane. But man, that's a that's the marquee game, perhaps of the of the entire conference slate this season. It would be a bummer if it's played in a driving rainstorm the whole game, um, and uh, with game day there. So I, I, you know, if if you know, I know there was talk on Twitter about people wanting them to move it to Sunday. That it would make sense to move it to Sunday, and man. You know that's what Florida State is rooting for. Yeah, move that thing to Sunday. Move it to Monday. Be safe, everybody. Be safe and make sure that thing is played on Monday night because it shortens the amount of time, obviously, that NC State would have ready to get uh, prepared for Florida State. But yeah, I think at this point, everything is on the table as far as these these times. I know, uh, you know, Clemson, I know it's an 8 o'clock. It's an 8 o'clock game, right? It's prime time. Clemson, NC State. I'll check it. Let me wrap up the read. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I love you. Everybody loves MyBookie, too. MyBookie.ag, use that promo code WARCHAN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, any other thoughts about NC State Clemson? Sorry, Corey. Didn't mean to cut you off there, but kind of had to. Yeah, I, I, I think, man, that's a good number. Uh, I, I think, you know, the six and a half, because I'm like, man, it's going to be tough to win at Clemson, obviously. But, yeah, who, who if it's in a driving rainstorm the whole time, it, it's anybody's guess, right, who plays better than that. It's going to yeah. come down to punts and mud and fumbles. Um, so, so who knows? But, it, it, you know, it would be interesting to see if they think at all about moving this game, like Florida did. Um, because they they are going to get, you know, you talk about wanting to, you, you only get 12 of these a year and, you know, it's just a bummer for all these fans because you don't want them to have to drive through a tropical depression to get to your game. Yeah. So that, that is a, that is a real concern. It's not just the player safety on the field and it being awful weather. You're, you've got 80,000 fans going into a small town. Um, yeah, that's not the safest thing to do, maybe depending on what the, the storm track looks like. And you could always move it to Sunday. Now, I know they don't want to compete against the NFL, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's always a possibility too. And then if they do that, and again, this is just me completely spitballing. This has a 2% chance of happening. But if they realize, man, it is just going to be awful weather. It's going to be 40 mile an hour winds. It's going to be four inches of rain dumped all over the Carolinas on Saturday. We are moving the NC State Clemson game to Sunday at noon or Sunday at three, whatever. Um, then do you move Florida State and Wake tonight? So a uh, tonight game because then it, the ACC is going to want that primetime matchup, and it's a good matchup. It's two ranked teams, so maybe Florida State and Wake fill that slot on the time, on, on the ESPN schedule. I don't know, just spitballing, baby. Right. And game day, come on down. You're not going to want to sit there in a driving rainstorm for three hours. From Tuesday's practice, Corey, any observations? We'll be back out there Wednesday morning. Uh, do check out Warchant.com, Ultimate Semble Sports Source. Again, a few days left to sign up. It's only a dollar. Still only one dollar for an entire year of premium access. Tom Lang shared some observations from Tuesday's practice. Uh, I'll share my only cool observation was that the, the music was a little bit a little bit lax. Man. A little bit lax. Not uh, not a lot of not a lot of jams bumping. And at one point, uh, a coach yelled up to the podium to the perch of the DJ. Uh, and one of the coaches was like, "Hey, change that shit. Uh, because yeah. it, was, uh, it was. Are we allowed to cuss on this now? Well, no. I can. I'm gonna. I, I can. I'd rather oh. curse so I know where I curse in the game in the in the show, so I can go back and oh. edit it. But yeah, if you ever want, you can curse. I'm just gonna bleep it out, but you don't do it a bunch. This makes my. Well, job I wouldn't difficult. do that. Come on, man. I'm a gentleman. Well, let's they're, be. They're well, playing I mean, Africa can, by Toto. They're trying to get ready for say, a ranked opponent. Yeah, uh, it was. We can get real. They played uh, Free Fallen by by our man Tom Petty. Uh, played man, a lot of. They man, played Bon Jovi. 
um, well, they, they played. played li- they played "Living on a Prayer" a few times, which is fine. They played uh, "Whoa, White Black Wedding. Betty, Lamb to Lamb, Oh, Black Betty," whatever fine, that though. song There's is. There's some juice in that. There's some juice in that song. There's some juice in "White Wedding" by Billy Idol. There's no juice in "Free Falling." There's no juice. I, in I'll Africa. be honest with you, man. I don't know that "White Wedding" has played been played at a football practice ever, <laughs> ever. We might have seen history on Tuesday. It was just an odd. It was like uh, it was like a Corey's mixtape from '89. No, it, was, it was just a, it, it was an odd play, play. Well, White Wedding's a good jam. Free Fallen, you better not be uh, dismissing Tom Petty, buddy. I, I'm not going to stand here for that. Um, but yeah, it was an odd, it was an odd mix. It was a lot of uh, like classic rock in some some kind of old like slower jam rock too. Uh, but yeah, they played uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. Got yeah. a little cowbell in there. The Blue uh, they had Colts. it all going. Well, they also played Thunderstruck by ACDC, which I don't like because, you know, the West Canaan Coyotes are flying high. Uh, mm. They didn't know really how to deal with success. And then they come right. out and that, you know, that game, that, that stinker they lay with, you know, Thunderstruck playing in the background. So it was, it was a bad omen. Well, isn't that because they went and saw their teacher slash stripper uh, the night before? Wasn't that that game? It was, Corey, but um, yeah. I don't want to blame her. It's not her fault. They showed <laughs> well, up. Right. She didn't invite You're- them there. Uh, but yeah, I just you know, let's, let's stay focused. Let's let's handle success well. We got a big one this this uh, this coming weekend. But what stood out to you in terms of the practice? Well, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald the struck the ball well. Uh, Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, I think, in the video that we had posted from the uh, the initial practice or the initial periods of practice, I think he went like four for four, three for three in the video that's up on the site. And then when they actually did the period three tempo team eleven on eleven, where they basically have a scenario where they just want to get the ball in the field goal position. Uh, he it was I don't know thirty five yards or so, uh, right down the uh, right down Main Street. So yeah. that was good to see. Yeah, and people are going to roll their eyes when they hear that, like, "Oh, great, he made some kicks in practice." But understand, it's not it's not like the Ryan Fitzgerald you guys see on Saturdays is a lot different than the one that we see at practice sometimes. Like he, there are days where it doesn't look good. Like he, it's not one of these things where he's just. It's not batting practice where a guy's hitting 500-foot bombs and batting practice, then he gets in a game and something happens. He's not nearly as good. He's not kicking a bunch of 50-yard field goals with a lot of authority every day in practice. So when he does have a good day at practice, it, does that make sense? Like it means something. Yeah. Because it's not, it's, not, it's not all the time that he does it. It's not like every time we watch him out there on a Tuesday or Wednesday, he's just booming them. And they look like real kicks and good kicks, kicked with a uh, emphasis and authority. They're not that. That's not the case all the time. So when he does do it in practice, it's not just a matter of yeah, yeah, whatever. He's just going to screw it up in a game. Well, no, man, because a lot of times the way he kicks in a game is the way he kicks in practice. So at least he looked good in practice. This, you know what I mean? I think that maybe, hopefully, that matters. Like it just the ball did come off his foot so much. I don't know, with so much more conviction, with pop. Yeah, man. He looked like a real kicker, and he is a real kicker. He's had good moments, and he can boom the ball. Um, It's just he's got off to a really bad start. Now, the good news is we know he can kick it like that. Like, he was kicking 43 yarders, and I know that's not going to make anybody do cartwheels, but they were kicked where they would have been good from, what, 54, 55, 50? I don't know. They were kicked. They were halfway up the net from 43. This is a kid that was short on a 47-yard field goal. In a game. And, and, and trust me, there have been moments in practice where he has kicked balls that you're like, ugh, that didn't have any juice on it at all. So when he does kick it with some juice, that, that makes you feel good because he doesn't do it all the time. So maybe he figured something out, man. I don't know. Maybe something changed. Uh, we'll see. I know it doesn't matter until he does it in a game, but this is a person that hasn't always practiced well either. So for him to have a good practice, maybe that builds some real confidence with him and he can go uh, translate it to the games. But other than that... Um, I did think AZ Thomas, Azarie had a had a nice practice. I thought by and large, the in the one-on-one drills, especially, they didn't do a lot of team stuff. Um, it was a lot of scout team work, but they did do one-on-one stuff. And I thought the DBs dominated. Dominated. Now, um, you know, Johnny Wilson's out there and he's perfectly fine. He's healthy. He's not getting a ton of reps in one-on-ones. They're working younger receivers. Um and I don't think Micah Pittman got a ton of reps in the one-on-ones. He got some, but not many. But the guys that ran, it's a lot of tight ends. It's Portier. It's uh, Deuce Span. Uh, player, players like that. Uh, McLean. I thought the DBs played really well. I thought they broke up. I mean, I even said it. To me, it looked like there was a stretch where it looked like last year's 
um, fall camp. Mm. Remember when the receivers wouldn't catch anything? Right. Yes. But that was because they just weren't very good. This, I thought, was like the DBs rising, raising their level of competition, and they need to because they know what's coming. It is going to be a lot of one-on-one jump balls, man-to-man coverage. You've got to go compete and make a play against the uh, and, and go make a play and high point a ball, knock it away or intercept it, whatever you have to do. You have to go compete because you are going to get tested a lot. Boston College, I don't know, they threw one ball down the field the whole game. Maybe. I mean, I literally don't remember them taking a shot. Maybe one shot. Um, Wake's going to take 15. So that's just part of their offense. So it, it was good to see the DBs compete like that. Also, on the flip side, I know I just talked about how good the DBs were. Deuce Span had a nice day. Um, he caught two deep balls in the one-on-one um, and, and made some catches against the scout team, was a part of things against the scout team. So, again, he's had, an, he's had a kind of an odd start to this season where he was a pretty big he, – he, he's a part of the plan against LSU and then didn't do jack squat the last two weeks. Um, it, maybe it, it was good to see him have a good practice. Maybe that, again, translates into a, into a game because they're going to need that guy at some point. He's just too talented a dude to keep off the field. But I thought he had a good practice uh, out of the wide receivers. I thought he probably had the, the best stretch during the one-on-ones. All right. I was trying to pull up our guy, uh, Phil Jerkovic. Let's see here. Uh, only one throw, 20 or more yards down the field. Only two total throws more than 10 yards down the field. And he was one of two. So. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even gross. try, man. Didn't that's even gross. Sam Hartman will try. 20 he of his. going a- to take shots. 20 of his attempts were 10 or less yards, five of his attempts were behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they I, – I just think they, they knew they couldn't block Florida State, so that was their game plan. I, I don't think they – they must not have known or understood that Verse and Lovett were going to be out. Uh, but, but it also doesn't matter. Like Patrick Payton hit, hit him four times. So, uh, yeah, they just know they can't block, so they have to do, make a lot of short passes. And my man isn't going to stand in there and let things develop. He's, he's kind of given up on that, it would appear. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the game at the stadium. We'd watch our favorite team play, and then we'd always eat at Zaxby's. That's why it means so much to me that Zaxby's is the official chicken of college fans. To me, they go together perfectly. It reminds me of my dad and... Oh, come on, ref! Are you serious? Get some glasses! Terrible call! Now, I take my kids to the game, and we always eat at Zaxby's, too. It's tradition. We're proud to be the official chicken of college fans. Zaxby's, indescribably good. And don't forget to listen in for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week every Monday on Wake Up War Chant. You know, I think during, you know, Monday's press conference, Coach Norvell was very complimentary of what uh, Dave Clawson, shout shout out Coach Clawson, has done at Wake Forest and talked about you know, the recruiting aspect of things, maybe they don't have the, the names or the stars, but it's all about evaluating players. And they've done a really good job of evaluating and developing players, which has allowed them to have these real nice spikes of success at Wake Forest. It's really, it's incredible, kids. Uh, Wake Forest is an absolute punchline joke doormat rolled into one, uh, like one of those little, little Debbie's cakes, like, you know, the, uh, the, the swirly stuff in the middle or whatever. Now they're actually a pretty good program. And it probably does come down to the fact that they've they've figured out the right kinds of guy to go, the right kind of guys to go for and, and bring into the program, and it made me think. I'm like, let me look back on this this first recruiting cycle that that Mike Norvell had because, you know, in this day and age, you know, obviously nobody has any patience, and it's all about recruiting and talent acquisition with the portal. Let's change things, but you know, you show up, you get this job now. You know, a guy gets fired midseason, whomever, Scott Frost. You know, Jeff Collins, whoever it is, uh, you know, the replacement gets hired, but really only is going to probably get a few weeks to put together a recruiting class. So, you know, we didn't think he obviously probably didn't have a really good Rolodex, Mike Norvell, coming from Memphis and, and the recruiting ties he had there versus what he was going to need to come down to Florida State, right, Corey? Now, especially considering what Florida State was coming off of, two really subpar, bad, bad football seasons. And the 2018 class is something that, you know, was always kind of buried and, and was kind of like a hung like an albatross around uh, Willie Taggart's neck is that, man, just that class never panned out. And it was a number 10 class in the nation. And you can say, well, hey, you know, obviously they didn't live up to that recruiting ranking. Well, you know, that's who he evaluated. That's who they had to develop. You know, Jordan, you know, I don't want to – I don't go through all of them, but I'm going to go through all of them, Corey. 
You know, oh, Jordan right. Young uh, didn't work out. Uh, you know, left the program here. Uh, Anthony is this, Grant. What, what class is this? This is eighteen. This is, okay. this is Willie. Two weeks. Yeah. You know, two weeks to figure it out, which is an unenviable position. Yes. Which is a totally unenviable position. It's it's not easy. I'm not saying that he you know showed his colors in this moment. Here. I will Just, say this real quick. We give Norvell not the benefit of the doubt, but we point out. Um, he was really unlucky in a lot of ways when he took this job. Uh, there was just some unlucky stuff, COVID being chief among them, but then there was just stuff out of control that you're like, is this guy ever going to get lucky? Willie Taggart um, only having two weeks for his first class because that, that, that was the first year they moved it up, right? Yes, yes. That is incredibly unlucky. Mm. Like, he ended up, I think he ended up salvaging at the time. Now, when Aslan reads these names, you're going to realize it was not a top 10 class. But he salvaged a pretty talented class in two weeks, especially because the former staff didn't have anything going on. So he'd salvaged a lot in two weeks. Now imagine if he'd had an extra six weeks or eight weeks. Yeah. Like, it, you know, that maybe his whole tenure, the whole tenure is different. Maybe he's still here um, if he would have had that. Anyway, I just want to point that out. Willie, that was a really bad break that that happened to be the very first. Now he knew what he was getting into. It's not like they passed that the day after he, um, but it was the first time State. in practice, though, so that might you know, that that could have been something you know, a little bit tricky too. Right? They obviously knew that it, it, the calendar was changing, but it's when they know it's coming, and then another thing to actually know how it's going to work and be in that yeah. situation. Yeah, right. There's right. nobody so you can reach a, out to. There's nobody you can ask a for bit advice. Of bad breaks there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Jordan Young, three star, you know, left the program early. Anthony Grant, four star, doing pretty well at Nebraska. So we'll give yeah. some partial credit there. Treshawn Harrison is now at Oregon State. He was a four star. He's in the rotation. Jamarcus Chapman left the program. I think he might have ended up at UMass. Uh, Malcolm Lamar is down at FAU, four-star. Keyshawn, three-star. You know, Warren Thompson, four-star over in Arkansas. Briggs, four-star. Xavier Peters, who I don't know. I think he might be. I think he's at, F, I think he's at FAU. He went to Kentucky, left, yeah. Juco. Uh, Jalen Goss, I think is at FAM, three-star. Cam McDonald, four-star. He's with the program. You know, contributor, good, solid player. Isaiah Bullins at Jackson State. Christian Meadows was a medical disqualification. Jaden Woodby at Boston College did not live up to his five-star ranking here in Florida State. Chaz Neal starting games for FAU but not grading out well at all. Uh, Christian Armstrong is another guy I think that got medically disqualified. He was a four-star. Demarcus Adams, four-star receiver. I think he went to FAU. I don't know if he's still on the roster. Amari's here. Uh, A.J. Litton, Penn State, if I'm not mistaken, he left during covid uh, four-star Asante in the league, second-round pick, doing great. And then Robert Cooper here with the program, like, year five. Yeah. So, I don't know. That might have been, like, what, four players? They are like, all right, good? Yeah, I think it's here. It, here. Yeah, f- five know? total. You have Briggs, Asante, Amari, Cam McDonald, and, uh, and Robert Cooper. Yeah. All right, now, 2020, man. This is a guy coming from Memphis. His whole staff, no one really – I don't think anybody has any Florida ties whatsoever. Uh, you know, even but Kenny the, but, didn't have it. But think about here—you, you guys all heard those names. You would literally say, you know, five of those guys out of twenty-five or whatever it was, really did anything at all. Like Keyshawn was gonna 21, have twenty-one. Guys. Keyshawn was gonna maybe have a decent career until the injury, but none of those other names did anything at Florida State. Anything. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Warren's doing all right. Arkansas, Anthony's. Yeah, doing but not all right. here. I'm just right. saying, yeah, no, yeah. nobody yeah. contributed here except those yeah. five guys. Um, all right, so then this 2020 class where you're just like, man, who are these guys? Uh, Sidney Williams has struggled with injuries. DJ Lundy, project that's become, you know, a guy he's a that... player. Yeah, he's, he's a scored, contributor. Scored yep. a touchdown against the SEC team. Put that's that on right. Your he's, he's also, a, I think he's a decent college linebacker. Yeah. Like, he's gotten, he's a, he's a decent player, at least. He's definitely a contributor. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to grade out better than Jaden Woodby ever did at linebacker at Florida State. You know, for whatever that's worth. Again, the grading is not the end-all, be-all, but we use it sometimes. T.J. Davis recently left the program, medically disqualified. Darion Williamson led you in receiving uh, yeah. this past week, which that's pretty cool. I don't think anybody on that list there ever led Florida State in a game. Marquise and Douglas, part of their two tight end set. Yep. Good. I Contributor. Mean, again, again, yeah. Again, I mean, you're in a really tough spot. Just get You're, you're just trying to get bodies. And then, shoot, this guy's actually playing all right. Robert Scott, your starting left tackle. Yep. Corey Wren, you know, left the program. I don't know how he's doing at TCU. Should look into that maybe. LaDamian Webb, good football player. Not sure why he left. He's at South Alabama now. 
Yep. Kentron Portier. Yep. Maybe he's he's worth keeping on your roster. You got eighty five guys. Not everybody's all American. He's worth a spot. Uh, Brian Robinson was a four star. I don't know where he ended up, but where he was. He, he, where did he go? I don't know. I don't know. He was the guy, right? He, he was, was the yeah. most highly sought of the after of the three receivers they brought yeah. in. Master Mano, who yep. Norvell admitted the previous staff got kind of the ball rolling with, you know, solid kicker. Chuba has not or obviously did not work out. Josh Griffiths did not work out. Tate Rodemaker seems like serviceable backup quarterback. Did a good, admirable job at Louisville. Help you win a football game. Toa Feely, part of your plans on offense. Yep. Schrader's been maligned injury-wise, which is unfortunate, but they do like what he could possibly be. Lloyd Willis was a bit of a swing. Um, you know, he's I think he got in there against Boston College in the late in, late in the game. He's yeah. He's I think he's you know he's someone they they were hoping that they can maybe develop maybe another year or so he can become part of the plans. But what are you going to do? Manny Rogers never shows up. Uh, Jakai Douglas, um, you know, he's banged up right now. Contributor uh, though. But man, you're coming off five and seven, six and seven, two and a half weeks. Do something, for lack of a better, no pun intended. Um, and like you look at those two classes right there, man. Um, and then, listen, these guys got plenty of tread left ahead of them here, and and and, and much more they can maybe accomplish. As opposed to these guys from 18, which is like the, the the die has been cast on them. So it really is, man, about evaluation. Look, man, I I think, uh, and it's not a great recruiting class. Like it's it's got some guys, but I think I counted seven or eight contributors out of that group too. Um, here we are, two years later. Uh, but the the difference is is that Norvell wasn't really recruiting any kind of Florida State caliber players when he was at Memphis. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Willie Taggart was recruiting Warren Thompson to Oregon. He was recruiting Malcolm uh, Lamar. Harrison to Oregon. Like yeah. he Thompson. he had those th those guys were Florida State at that time. 2017 Florida State was a a lot different than 2019 Florida State. They were one year removed from playing in the Orange Bowl. And Dalvin Cook, Derwin James had just left the program when he's recruiting these guys, when Willie was recruiting those guys. So that was the advantage that Willie had was that, uh, you know, Florida State still had resonance, a lot of resonance. They still had all those dudes in the league from the net, from the championship team and the 29-game winning streak. That wasn't that long ago. When Norvell takes over two years later, two losing seasons later, um, it's, you know, it's much worse. Uh, and and also, he came from Memphis. He didn't come from Oregon. So he did, he wasn't recruiting uh, four and five star guys at Memphis, like so he didn't have maybe the the connections and the relationships that Willie Taggart did, um, because yeah, you know that wasn't a great class. Even looking back on it, it's not a great class. What he's done in the portal though, and that was another thing that Willie didn't really get a chance to to do, but Norvell's crushed it in the portal, crushed it. Um, you know they they've done a remarkable job there. But I think your point, your best your best point or your overarching point is, it's evaluation. They, they did a great job evaluating in a short amount of time, and they've done that in the portal too now. It's not like everybody in the world wanted Johnny Wilson. Um, nobody, there, it, not everybody came calling for Jermaine Johnson either. I mean, he, he showed flashes, but um, that, that, was, that was a great job by them. And then also development. Development, man. DJ Lundy didn't belong on a college football field in 2020. Notre Dame ran right at that kid to the point they ran him off the field. He just didn't belong because he was a true freshman that was thrown in there way too quickly. Robert Scott was too. But they got developed. And then Portier, you, Portier is getting developed. Williamson, you saw what he could be um, in, in his br brief moment of fame uh, there, there on Saturday. They, they've developed some of these guys too. And that's, that's, that's what should excite you if you're a Florida State fan. Is you're, the, These guys aren't ready-made when they get here. Now you're going to start recruiting hopefully at a higher level where you do get some ready-made guys in. But they have done a really good job of developing their younger guys uh, on both lines of scrimmage to go along with the, the portal stars they're getting. Yeah, you know, Robert Scott, they went all in on him. They, they said he's going to be a starting left tackle, and certainly enough he is. I mean, I don't know how elite he is uh, by any stretch here, but, I mean, he's been the starting left tackle for Florida State, and, you know, they felt pretty good about it. Alex Atkins has always seemed to be pretty pleased with what they had from that. Um, but, you know, like your, your standout guys from the, that first class, you know, like Asante was a guy that, you know, 
basically had committed to Jimbo Fisher. Robert Cooper committed to Odell Higgins. And I mean, again, I'm not trying to diminish anything, Willie. I'm not trying to beat up on the guy here. But, you know, when you look at this list, like you had a very good product. You had a very strong brand. Maybe not a very good product, but you had a very strong brand to still recruit from. And you, to Corey's point, like you were at Oregon, so you were fishing in those waters comparably. Um, and listen, you pulled a lot of those guys that you wanted to bring with you, that you had, had committed to Oregon. You brought them with you to Florida State, um, and they did not pan out nearly to the level that you wanted. I mean, they, they, they said that Sean Harrison was the number one athlete in the country, they thought. Um, and, and again, for them to put the weight and these guys go after them. Because my thing was, we've been giving so much credit to Norvell for going in the portal and grabbing these guys, but the more you look at the roster, you're like, man, a lot of these guys, you know, like the, Kalen Deloach is a guy that got recruited uh, by Willie Taggart. Again, Briggs, uh, you know, like Cooper, again, is, is a little bit of a, again, I think of a an Odell guy more than anything, but Maurice Smith's a guy that he brought in. So I'm like, it's going to be interesting for Florida State fans to try to kind of reconcile, man, Willie wasn't a good recruiter. Willie had, you know, we had to get rid of him. There was nothing good going on. Then you're looking at this team and you're like, well, this team's actually winning football games, and sure enough, there's a lot of guys starting on this team that were recruited by Willie. But you know, I guess I don't. I don't think that the development true. of of these guys also is something that needs to be credited towards. But I mean, you, you just read that list. There's only five. There's only four guys on this team that are from that 18 class. Now Asante was good, but yeah, um, but but overall, too, though, like Maurice is a guy they brought in. Uh, you know, Kalen's a guy they brought in. Yeah. Uh, Akeem's yeah. a guy they brought in. Yep. You know, so. You know, yeah, it, I guess you should have combined the 18 and 19 classes, but we don't have time for you to no, read well, but 25 other names. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there is that, right? There is, there is, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, some of these guys are Willie guys. Um, the vast majority are Norvell guys, though. I would say at least two thirds of the starters are Norvell guys in the sense that they're, he either recruited them or two, two thirds of the two deep. Uh, so what is that? 44 players. I would say 30 of them, 33 of them are Norvell guys. Um, but also it's Norvell's program. Like these guys, no matter what, these guys didn't play like they're playing now for, for Willie. Right. They just didn't play as hard uh, for Taggart as, as they do for Norvell. And, good. And I don't even know. I can't, I can't judge how hard guys are playing. Maybe you can, I can't, they're playing man. much better. They're playing yeah. much better. We cannot. Yes, they are. That's it, clearly they're, obvious. They're, they're more disciplined. Um, they, they, they don't get penalized as much. Uh, they, yeah, there's just, you can, you know what you're watching. You're watching a team that's more disciplined. And I think, um, you, I, I think personally plays harder, um, at times much harder. Um, because yeah, I, they just do. And they, they have a nice ability to rebound. Um, the, one of the hallmarks of, of Taggart's teams were when things went bad, they kind of just spiraled out of control. Um, now part of that had to do with the quarterback. He had a quarterback that when things went bad, he just spiraled in the ground. Um, this guy doesn't do that. And Willie could have, there could have been a lot of, um, he, a lot of cures for the ailments of what happened to Florida State football under Willie Taggart could have been solved with this Jordan Travis at quarterback. Hmm. I mean, that just, it makes such a difference. We were talking about him on headlines. And I guess you count him as a Willie guy. I don't know. He was here with Willie, but Willie never played him. Yeah. So does he get. Does he get credit for Jordan right. Travis, or is right. it Mike Norvell that gets credit for Jordan Travis? Um, because Willie, you know, we didn't even we never saw Jordan Travis on the football field until the day after Willie was fired. It was the first time we saw him on a football field, um, and he runs for two touchdowns and ninety yards and a win over Boston College after Willie left. So, uh, so yeah, he's a Willie guy technically, but he's a Norvell guy, and all these guys, I think, they're all Norvell guys now. Um, it, but but the point being. Um, I, I think Jordan Travis, we talked about this on headlines, um, what he is, what he means to this program, man, right now, like you, we talked about earlier in the week too. You go into a game almost always thinking you got the best quarterback almost. And now the offense, because the offense is operating at such a high level right now, you go into this game on Saturday. If it's good weather, I think you would be surprised if you didn't score 30 to 35 points. Like act disappointed if Florida if Florida State only scores thirty points only or twenty eight to thirty points I think wouldn't you be disappointed? Not if the, not if the other team only scores twenty four twenty. Well, sure, disappointed in the offensive production. 
Um, because that's how high a level Jordan Travis is playing at right now. Right, um, and right. that, that just, man, it has been so long since they got quarterback play like this, where you go into a drive, you go into a quarter, you go into a game confident that dude's going to lead you right down the field. And that has not been the case here in a very long time. What Norvell has done is, is more so than the, the talent acquisition. Again, man, it's a, it's a, it's the development and it's the evaluation of guys that, weren't typically Florida State type recruits. He got enough of those guys in here that can play. Now they're not superstars. Many of them aren't going to the league. But you, not every player you recruit is going to go to the NFL. Some are just program players. And I think he's done a really good job of getting guys that fit the system. I I hate to bring up headlines again, but somebody brought up a really good point when they were talking about um, the the wide receivers, the wide receiver room, and how it's a different guy each game. It would it would appear and they all seem to really enjoy each other, that it does kind of remind them a little bit of Leonard's teams, which in not, in not every, especially receivers, but running backs too, not all of those guys, not all those best players around the country want to go to a school where they're going to feature five or six different guys, where you might catch 150 yards of passes one game and 19 the next or 13 the next, whatever Johnny Wilson's numbers were. Like that's not enticing to every, every player, but... The guys that Florida State goes after, that that's why that you know what I mean. Like I think he's recruiting those types of players. Um, and the run, you know, I just think that that there, there's something that's happened. And again, we'll see what happens when they lose their first game. We might all be have pitchforks in our hands. But so right now it's all kumbaya. But you, the, the way they cheer for each other, the way that they really seem to enjoy others' success, their other success, teammates' success, you don't see that all the time on football teams. And it's it's a it's a it's a sign of a team, and that's what's so cool about this team right now. Um, that they they do seem to really enjoy each other, and that's one of the reasons that Florida State basketball has been so enjoyable for the last six or seven years. They really do enjoy each other, and it seems like Florida State's got a little bit of that in their DNA. And I think that came from the coach. I think it comes from the coach, his coaching staff, and then I think they recruit sometimes a certain player. So we didn't need you, Travis Hunter. Didn't want you. Didn't want you. When, when are you going to play, man? Are you ever going to play college football? Sorry, Travis. You know I love you, buddy. We're at Gwinnett County. Gwinnett County through and through. That's a wrap. Practice coming up later this morning. Check out the website for updates, videos, interviews, all that good stuff. Check out the website. Uh, and then, obviously, the Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. And at some point, we'll have the War Chant Report. Kind of waiting to make sure that the game is for, for real, for real going to be played. Which I think it is for real, for real going to be played. But also check out WarChant.com for the information on that. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you so much for listening to Wake Up WarChant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.